0: Welcome to Better Than Nothing. I'm Ken Root, a veteran of agricultural journalism. In this year of 2022, we've had a number of unforeseen circumstances in rural America. That follows the pandemic year of 2020 and then again 2021, when supply lines were slowed by COVID. But this year, the supply of fertilizer was impacted by the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the already exacerbated tariffs that are placed on China and some other countries. Now, earlier this spring, farmers were yelling a lot about the price of fertilizer because of the reduced supply, and it looked like the problem was in those people in whom we were with conflict that caused that supply to go down, but that's not necessarily true. Part of that could be right back here at home. Joining me is Kerry McNamara, who's the chief executive officer of OCP North America. Now, that company, if it may not be familiar to you, is a global plant nutrition company. They're headquartered in Morocco. Kerry, welcome to uh, my program today. I'm glad to have you with me.
1: Thanks very much, Ken. It's a pleasure.
0: Let's get to the meat of this right now. The, uh, The price of fertilizer this year was high, and it was said it was high because of short supply, which supply and demand do work. But... The Moroccan fertilizer was restricted from coming to the U.S. for how long a period? When did that tariff go on?
1: Well, can the ca- the tariff was uh, decided and determined, and uh, by August of 2020, we had reluctantly decided that we were at least for the time being unable to supply. U.S. farmers because of that tariff, and I can uh, explain that, explain the background. Uh, and frankly, that the impact that that had on prices of phosphate fertilizers was well before and separate from the whole Ukraine, et cetera, situation. So that those tariffs, when they were put in place in 2020, had a direct and measurable impact.
0: Well, Kerry, we all have a, a general knowledge of fertilizer coming in from Trinidad and Tobago, we had issues with uh, phosphate coming in from Russia, Ukraine, trying to get phosphate out of Morocco as well. But in the case of uh, Morocco, they don't have a dog in the fight, do they, as far as an alignment with either China or Russia?
1: No, Ken. uh, We speak for ourselves. Um, We are a global provider of phosphate fertilizers to farmers around the world. Uh, Phosphate fertilizers, the um, really appreciable volumes of phosphate fertilizers that can be exported to other countries come from five places, the U.S., and that's mostly Morocco, uh, mostly mosaic, I'm sorry, Uh, Morocco, China, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Now, these, mm-hmm. these tariffs that were put in place, these duties that were put in place at the request of Mosaic, pushed Russia and Morocco out of the U.S. market. China was already out for all sorts of other reasons. That only left Saudi Arabia, and isn't it interesting that the, the Saudis were not included in the complaint and that Mosaic owns of 25 percent of one of the um, Saudi phosphate fertilizer companies? I leave it to you to figure that out.
0: So you're implying that uh, genuine, old-fashioned lobbying for the best interest of a single company uh, has had a far-reaching effect in this case.
1: Well, Ken, don't get me wrong. We completely respect U.S. trade law, and we understand that there are cases where it's perfectly legitimate to restrict imports because companies are either behaving badly or there's some other reason that it's inappropriate. We don't think this is that case at all. Uh, You'd have to ask ask Mosaic uh, about their motivations in this, but it certainly put them in a position where they uh, dominate the market even more than they already did. Uh, at the cost of U.S. farmers.
0: We've had a lot of consolidation in the fertilizer business. I don't know if you really have a map of all of that, but we do have a smaller number of bigger players, uh, at least in the U.S., if not around the world. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, Ken. And in the case of phosphate fertilizers, there's been a dramatic concentration in production over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, a, A... Uh, a concentration and a reduction of overall volumes. And so what that means is that American farmers need imports and we're asking for them increasingly in recent years, not to replace American production, but to supplement it because American production was going down.
0: Uh, I'm pulling material um, for this since I'm not day to day involved as as much as I once was from uh, Chris Clayton, who is a in my view, an excellent writer for DGN, he's their ag policy editor, and Chris gets all sides on the table, and as we, as we look back in time here, we've seen this coming for quite some period of time, um, and the farm lobby seems to have risen as strongly as it could toward getting more fertilizer in the country. Is there any other reason that's out there that's not obvious to me that that the efforts of the farm lobby, which is pretty strong, could not get the U.S. government to change this trade policy?
1: Well, Ken, there's a process that we're going through, and we very much respect the process. We are absolutely you know, honored and pleased that uh, the farm groups and a lot of others, including a number of people on the Hill, are clamoring for you know improving American farmers' access to phosphate fertilizers. We're in the midst of a process where we are appealing the government's decision. Um, we think we have a very strong case, um, and, and you know as I say, we respect that process. Um, you know, and and uh, so we hope that that will lead to the point where. These duties can be uh, lifted and we can get back to doing in the U.S. what we do around the world, which is, you know, provide farmers with one of several choices of quality phosphate fertilizers. We don't dominate the market anywhere and we never sought to.
0: Well, now, there's two sides in the lobbying in Washington that I'm aware of. um, There's the Fertilizer Institute, which uh, represents the majors. Uh, which would be Mosaic and others. And there's another group called the uh, Ag Retailers Association, which really represents fertilizer dealers. And then, of course, there's the farm lobby that represents farmers. But uh, we've always known TFI was pretty powerful. Uh, So are
1: all fertilizer
0: companies, uh, or at least a majority of that group, standing with Mosaic? Or is there any crack in this anywhere?
1: Well, I can only you know I, I can't speak for everyone. I can tell you that um, you know that n- n- um, when Mosaic filed the uh, complaint, there were at least uh, there was at least one other major um, phosphate producer in North America that didn't associate itself with the complaint. I can tell you that the we're very gratified that all the grower associations, Uh, And the ag retailers um, have been very vocal. In fact, what you may not know is that several of the grower associations and the ag retailers association banded together to submit a so-called friend of the court amicus brief in the appeal that's currently undergoing, um, arguing, um, basically repeating the same argument as us that that these uh, duties were baseless.
0: Well, uh, let's go back to Mosaic. Didn't they shut down a plant in, I guess, Plant City, Florida? I believe Chris's information showed that. That took a hole out of their amount of phosphate fertilizer they were mining in the U.S., and yet they could still argue that there was too much coming in from other countries and it could depress prices?
1: Well, the strange thing, Ken, is that at the time when they announced in 2017 that they were furloughing and really closing uh, the plant city operation. The uh, CEO, the chairman and CEO of Mosaic, was quoted publicly in the trade media as indicating that this will inevitably create an opening for imports because it, it means a reduction in the total amount of domestic production. And they didn't seem bothered with that. Um, and it is the case that, that the reduction, the closing of that plant and of another plant, not, not of theirs, but of nutrients, uh, led to a uh, substantial reduction, over 2 million tons, in domestic production. And it's that reduction that called in imports. You had retailers and others saying, we need more diverse supply. We're not getting it adequately from the US, particularly since Mosaic also exports half its volumes. So, for goodness sake, we need a diversity of supply, we need reliable supply. And they turned to us and others asking to increase our supply. So, our increased presence in the North American market in recent years was directly a response to demand from American farmers to have a greater diversity and security of supply.
0: Kerry McNamara is my guest. He's the CEO of OCP North America. He's representing a company based in Morocco that is a phosphate manufacturer or a exporter to the U.S. Let's go back to this comment you made that Mosaic exports half their fertilizer. Do you mean half the phosphate or half of other types of fertilizer?
1: No, half their phosphate. Now, it's not exactly half every year. It goes up and down, but it's simple. It's not... You know, there's nothing terrible about it in the sense that um, they have a a substantial retail network in Brazil that they need to uh, supply. Also, you know, as you know, fertilizers are seasonal and we've got a northern and southern hemisphere. And so, you know, for reasons of seasonality, most fertilizer producers direct product to different geographies at different times of year. But it's undeniable, it's on the public record that of Mosaic's total production, which has shrunk in recent years, um, they export on an average somewhere around half, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. What that means is that there is not adequate domestic supply to address the needs of American farmers, which is precisely why uh you know, imports became a part of the equation, and were very much welcomed by farmers and their retailers.
0: well now in the fertilizer business, to me it's a volume business it's a it's a per unit volume that uh, it's somewhat generic to where that you make your money on that. Why is it that they wouldn't go ahead and bring fertilizer in that they are importing? and then sell more fertilizer through their system and theoretically make more total dollars it seems like they're they're getting out of sync they're almost like the car manufacturers are this year they want to produce fewer amounts and make more money per unit
1: yeah well i mean look i you know i i don't uh... You know, I don't advise them on their business strategy, obviously. Um, it is not usually the case that fertilizer producers sell into markets through other fertilizer producers. That would just add, add a layer of cost to the farmer. Uh, we work very closely, we have worked very closely when we were in the U.S. market and continue to be in close dialogue with a number of the major, you know, wholesalers cooperatives and and retail networks that serve farmers directly and they've been thrilled to have us in the u.s market and we are still able i'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it we're still able to serve farmers in mexico and canada and mm-hmm. the, the product we send to canada goes up to mississippi in a you know bonded supply chain so that it doesn't get those duties, and serves Canadian farmers. So it's kind of silly that we can't serve American farmers also.
0: Well, Kerry, I'm certainly not attacking any fertilizer company in the U.S., although you kind of made it sound like, uh, maybe, made it sound like that Mosaic is the bad guy. But, you know, I want to focus this more on the decisions made by the uh, International Trade Commission Mm -hmm. uh, and whether or not that, that should be changed because the price of phosphate, this is again from Chris's article, uh, MAP, monoammonium phosphate, it's risen $265 a ton at this writing to almost $1,000 a ton. That is huge compared to what, a year ago it was one third of that amount?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all phosphate fertilizers have skyrocketed in prices over the last two years now. There's been a, a little bit, bit of a dip lately, but unfortunately that's because of demand destruction. It's gotten so um, so expensive that retailers are afraid to buy, and so they're holding out and waiting to see. So just to explain, you asked about the the process. Just to explain. So when when a claim of this sort is... Uh, presented to the U.S. government, there are two parts of the decision. The International Trade Commission decides whether the domestic industry is being injured by imports, and then if they say yes, then the Department of Commerce decides what level of duties are necessary to counteract that, or so-called countervailing duties. Now, um, where we are currently is that uh, we have challenged both those decisions And we recently had an oral argument before the judge handling the challenge in the ITC case, which is the part of the decision about whether there was injury or not. And we're hoping that that – and that's the case in which the farmer organizations and the ag retailers put in the amicus brief. And basically, we are saying that the ITC made an incorrect assessment of the situation um, that they blamed imports for the decline in prices in 2019, which was actually caused by, as you know, huge amounts of prevent plant in 2019. Almost 20 million acres weren't planted because of unexpected historic levels of rainfall. So right. it, was a, it, was a, it was a demand collapse, not a supply surge. That, uh, you know, so Mother Nature hurt mosaic in 2019, not imports.
0: Is it an easy fix? I mean, if this commission were to meet, could they just take a vote and do away with this tariff, or has it got to go through Congress?
1: No, it doesn't have to go through Congress. Where we stand now is that the judge will, at some point in the next couple of months, decide whether he's going to hand the file back to ITC and say, redo your homework. You did something wrong. Now, it's noteworthy. You know, there's this parallel case, almost a copycat case on uh, nitrogen, on UAN. And uh, that had just gotten to the point where the ITC had to make its final decision about whether there was injury or not. And what's interesting is that the commissioners unanimously, the very same commissioners who would, in a preliminary decision said, yes, there's injury on the nitrogen side, just came out and said, no, we changed our mind, there was not injury. So they threw out that case. Interestingly, and hopefully, those are the same commissioners who voted against us, and so we can only hope that if, uh, if the judge sends, sends this case back for them to do their homework again, that they'll sharpen their pencils and do their homework differently. Um, well, with, this,
0: with the seasonality of North America, we're really moving into next year. I know. Uh, aren't
1: we? Yep. Well, and that's why, as I say, you know, I mean, it would be the point where you're starting pretty soon to look at fill for the fall. In other words, you know, farmers want to know that their retailers have full bins. So if they decide what level of application they're going to do this fall, they can get it a few, y- few miles down the road. Well, you know, fertilizer, fertilizer doesn't arrive overnight in a box from Amazon. Uh, it's, a, it's it's a long supply chain, as you know, and uh, if the farmers are nervous and if their retailers are nervous uh, and they're not ordering, then, uh, you know, that's going to affect our ability or anyone's ability to have stock in place near the farmer in time for fall application.
0: Yeah. Well, let me put another thread together. Um, We are coming into fall. It's going to be a little later on determining yields this year because we were late getting planted in the Midwest. But farmers have said they were only going to spend so much money this year uh, on fertilizer, and there is an indication in quite a few areas that people did not fertilize at their normal level. Now, do you get any feedback that we're already showing a – Decline in fertilization, which is also sh- showing up in early trends on declines in production.
1: Well, look. Anytime you have a decline in fertilization, there's a significant risk that that's going to you know going to affect affect yields. You know, there are a lot of things that impact yields, but um, you know, having adequate fertilizer in the ground not you don't want to overdo it of course but having adequate fertilizer in the ground is one of the important elements of that and so you know farmers have to make a trade-off do I spend dollars on expensive fertilizer uh, to increase my yields what is it going to mean in terms of the price of corn this fall and you know it's a tough calculation and we do see some degree of demand destruction. Uh, for fall application, and that's impacting um, you know, the retailers' decisions about whether they're going to even order product.
0: Well, I need to go to an agronomist to find this out, and I'm sure it also varies with the place in the country. But, you know, farmers uh, keep this fertilization in their soil at a, at a level so that they don't mine it. They draw mm-hmm. it down, but they try their best not to mine it. And you can get away with this, depending upon the area, one two years of reducing fertilization more than uh, you would normally, and therefore uh, you can still hold your yields up somewhat. But this could be the setup for a longer term problem for farmers. I mean, with high high prices for corn soybeans, it would think you would think that they would still fertilize pretty actively. But it could be a cutback that would show up in the next three to five years.
1: Yeah, that's certainly possible, particularly if this process goes on a long time. And unfortunately, the plaintiff in this case has several ways of kicking the can down the road uh, various, various appeals and other processes. And so it is not inconceivable, though God knows we wouldn't want it. And I don't think farmers would want it, that this could go on for a couple more years. And you're right. And even if, uh, there was low application this year, if that process continued, it would get to the point where they were really mining out their phosphate reserves in the soil. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the last thing farmers need. That's, the last thing the world needs, because as you know, the productivity of American farmers is crucial even in good times uh, to world food supplies, and it's especially crucial now.
0: No doubt about that. And with Ukraine not being able to produce its normal yield, I think that's a given, and Russia either not producing or not selling into the world, uh, companies or countries that won't buy theirs, uh, this is going to get stickier and stickier, even if these tariffs weren't involved at this time, I would think.
1: Yeah. Well, it does, even if this situation were resolved tomorrow. Um, you know, the, the, the larger issue is, cre- you know, the larger problem is creating uh, food security challenges in a lot of places, particularly in poorer countries, which are heavily dependent on grain imports. Um so, uh, yeah, so this is a this is a messy problem and all the more reason that, frankly, it shouldn't be made messier by some unjustified tariffs. Okay.
0: Well, Kerry McNamara from OCP, you've given us a pretty good cross section here, things that hold up well with me in the understanding of not only uh, politics, but economics. I give you a chance for a call to action. I know you've got American agriculture on your side, but maybe not as strongly as you might wish because they're hoping things change in the near term. But is there there something you would recommend that people who have an interest in getting fertilizer prices cheaper for their inputs to do here in the near future?
1: Well, Ken, I make the habit of never telling people what to do but simply trying to provide them information so that they can make the best decisions for themselves. But what I can do in that regard is tell people that there is a website called StandWithUSFarmers.com which has a lot of information about this situation and then, God bless them, I leave leave it to people to make their own wise judgments and to do what they think is best.
0: So standwithusfarmers.com is a website that lays all of this out. And um, I would say that every farm state legislator, regardless of their party, has probably put their two cents worth in publicly, not knowing what their other issues are that may be an interaction with uh, lobbying companies. But clearly on the public side, it appears you have strength in your argument to do away with these tariffs. I hope it bears, bears fruit in the near future.
1: Well, thank you very much, Ken. We're honored to have the opportunity to serve American farmers when we can, and we hope uh, we'll be able to do that again soon.
0: Kerry, thank you very much. Again, Stand with standwithusfarmers.com. We've talked through the issue on phosphate fertilizer and other things that it involved. Kerry, have a good day. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you very much, Ken.
0: Thanks for listening to Better Than Nothing. If you'd like to tell me your thoughts or relate your memories, send an email to kenroot at gmail.com. We'll try to put out one of these every week, and you can sign up with your podcast service to be reminded when the next one's available. As I now turn 73 years old, I've decided to have two kinds of days, good ones and great ones. See you next week for another episode of Better than nothing.